Come on and bless the name of the Lord. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he divine? Everything he does is beautiful and magnificent. I just look, hey, give the praise team a hand, bro. I tell you, Austin, I love that song, When You're Over Here. Oh, my Lord. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> not yet. Listen, I'm going to try not to be before you too long. I'm going to try to have you out here by Monday morning. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Praise God. Listen, I want to get off into this and we'll come back because I understand protocol. Amen. Amen. So I want you to go ahead and put up that first uh, 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 Exodus 25 for me. 25 and 1. Amen. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering. From everyone gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin dried red, badger skin, arcadia wood, six, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, and stones and stones to be set in the ephah and the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell. Amen. We go on to the 40th. I want you to turn over to the 40th. The 40th. Now we see that the sanctuary is complete. He says in the 40th verse, 30, in the 40th chapter of Exodus, the 31st, 34th verse. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of the meeting. And the glory filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of the meeting. Because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel will go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. I want you to notice the command that God gave Moses. The 25th, the 25th chapter 8 verse says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell. I hope I'm not, I hope I don't try to get too deep. I don't want to get deep, but I want to make this thing and speak it with the simplicity of understanding. 
And see, we look, I want you to do something for me. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, create a space. Or oh, turn to somebody else, turn to somebody else. And turn to somebody else and say, neighbor, create your space. Listen, God wants to do more for every man in this great country of ours. If we would just live up to our responsibilities. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God, decrease me and you increase. Hide me behind you, God. I don't want to be seen by God, but I want all of you to be seen, Lord. Father, you know what the people are in need of, God. Use me, God. Speak through me, God. I surrender. I release myself unto you, oh God. Bless your people today. He who have ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Father, we love you. We, we glorify you. And we praise you. Now bless your people today, Father. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, I want to let's just give thanks to Bishop Larry and Sandy Ragley. Come on, y'all. I thank God for the opportunity to stand before such great cloud of witnesses God's people precious in his sight it is, it is such a privilege to stand before God's people and I don't take it for granted I don't take it for granted because it's important that we get a word from God for this time of God amen amen and as I began to look at the text I began to contemplate and really dive in there and say, Lord, you're going to have to tell me what you're saying. You know, I, I, I don't know unless you give me understanding. You understand? And so uh, God began to speak. He says, I, I, I do a thing. And when I do it, it happens. But what I want to do is I want to work through you. You understand, he wants to work through us because we're more apt to get it right when he's working through us. You see, it is, it is our responsibility as men and women of God to make our nation great. It is not the responsibility of the government. I'm going to say again, it is not the responsibility of the government. Although they have a part to play in it. If you want to stop the killing. If you in our communities. In our cities. In our states. In our country. If you want to stop the incarceration of American youth. It is not the government responsibility. It is not the government responsibility. But it is our responsibility as children of God to do our part. It is our responsibility of children of God to do our part. Amen. We just can't sit around and say, I know God is going to take care of it while I just sit around here and do nothing. Yes, God don't take care of it, but he's going to take care of it through you. God wants to do more for our nation if we just live up to our responsibilities. Amen. 
Amen. And, and as I began to see this, I said to myself, Lord, now I need you to really give me some more understanding. So he took me back to Genesis. So allow me to set the theme for you. The first 11 chapters of Genesis is not just a series of historical events. Huh? Amen. But it is highly constructed to us the insight of what God regards as human responsibilities for he for for this place what the place that he have him in you see you see now we have a moral sense because God has given us these things that we must do on our behalf do on our part doing our part God has given us these things and we develop a moral sense you see first we have Adam and Eve God set them in the garden Next, we have, we have Cain and Abel, who was making sacrifices to God. But God had no respect for Cain's sacrifice. And then it goes on to say we had the flood and the Tower of Babel. You see, each is designed to show a certain responsibility that God expects for man to follow. Amen. Amen. Stay with me. We're going to the mountaintop. But I need to break down some things for you. I need to show you some stuff. No more will you just sit down and wait on God to do something. You better get... Uh, eh. Listen. In the 21st century church, health, welfare, and prosperity, preaching has caused us to believe that any time we just call on God, he's simply going to do something for me. But if I have any responsibility in my behavior, if I have any responsibility for me going to the next level, it seems that God is not just going to walk over here and pick me up and set me where he wants me to be. It is obvious that he's going to work through me to get me, uh, to bring me to the place where he wants me to be. Amen. And the story begins with Adam and Eve. God set them in the garden. And God said to them, you can have everything here except for the tree of knowledge, which is in the mix of the God, the tree of good and evil. You can have everything around here, Adam. You can have it. Because, see, I want you to be, uh, uh, I want you to use the stuff that I created. But I'm giving you strict rules. Don't you touch that tree in the middle of the garden. You see, the first thing God gave us, he's showing us that uh, it was personal responsibility. Adam and Eve had a personal responsibility to obey God. Personal responsibility means taking responsibilities for your actions without blaming or expecting others to do it for you you see it was man's responsibility to obey God instead Adam and Eve committed treason in other words Adam you can't blame Eve Eve you can't blame the serpent because God is coming through and he's going to judge them all amen he's going to judge them all for who should have stood their grounds and done what he told them to do
Amen. And next we have a moral responsibility. Everybody say moral responsibility. We have a moral responsibility. It is an obligation arising out of consideration of right and wrong. Amen. In other words, a moral responsibility is that choice has its limits. Even though I'm able to choose, I can't choose anything I want. Amen. Because, because now I have to bring myself into a state of accountability. You see, you see, Cain figured if I can do anything, I might as well kill my brother. But God said, no, no, Cain. Your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Amen. And so even though you have choice, you have to understand that you will have to give in an account for the choices you made. I think I heard Brother Austin say, uh, as I watched, he says, you know, adultery is adultery. Huh? Sin is sin. And I'm just trying to paraphrase it. He said, he said, listen, if you look at another woman and have the wrong thought, it's still sin. You have a moral obligation to obey the word of God, what he has told you to do. That's me, you, and everybody else, especially America right now. Amen. And, and next we have collective responsibility. Everybody say collective responsibility. Collective responsibility refers to the responsibility of an organization group. Listen, in other words, as Abraham began to pray for Sodom, God is teaching Abraham that he's going to be held responsible for what he is over. So God said, I'm going to allow you, Abraham, to question me. And Abraham's question was to God. He said, will a God of all the earth do right? Isn't that something? And, 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 and finally we see the debate we hear the debate between God and Abraham so, so God said so, so God said now if you're going to hold me responsible for what happens in the earth I'm going to hold you responsible for the space you have created around you amen and I forgot to give you the title of this message. The title of my message is, It's Your Responsibility with a subject of Create a Space for God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Amen. So, so which brings me, now I want to move into the text now. God told Abraham, she, you see, God, God relates to Abraham uh, still through sacrifices, but two important elements are also present. A covenant and a promise. A covenant and a promise. The covenant is unconditional. And God's promise to give the land to Abraham's descendant. Stay with me. Amen. We have to understand that the significance of a covenant it's the need for both parties to do the deal. Amen. You know the deal. You know when, when you're going into business with somebody and you know that they're going to have 
50 percent and you're going to have 50 percent so you both bring your money together and you go you put in the, the 50 percent to get the business started get it kicked off the ground and all of a sudden later on something happens and you have to bring more money to the table that's when we have problems that's when the situation gets sticky because now i'm requiring you to do a little more than what you've been doing Amen. I'm going to stretch you and pull you. So, so, so we have to understand that. Do you know that you are in a covenant relationship with God? That you receive some things from him by which he demands you do some other things. You see, ultimately, God wants to transfer himself from doing things for you to doing things through you. Because he can guarantee better then you will do what he wants if he is in you helping you to perform it. If he's on the outside of you and leaves you independently to perform, chances are you're going to miss the mark. But if he enters into you as the power of the Holy Spirit and take you and take that which he has already created in you, chances are the God in you will get anything done if we just release yourself unto him. He can do it. But you got to get to the, a point where that you say, God, instead of doing it for me, do it through me. Because when he worked through you, it's, it's, it's just a powerful gratification of him working through you. See, in the beginning, that's what he wanted to do. See, God always worked through human entity when it has to deal with here on earth. He's not going to go around him. He's going to work through you. But because of the treason we committed, it was broken. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Now, I want to take you uh, uh, through a couple exercises. Amen. Excuse me for a minute. It's time to go to work. All right. I want to take you through a couple of exercises. I want to talk to you about miracles. About miracles. You know, a miracle simply is awakening from above. Amen. Awakening from above. You see, when you have awakening from above, it changes the nature around you. Amen? And that's when miracles happen. You ain't had nothing to do with it. God did it. He changed the nature around you. So he said, I I'm going to do this for you because I'm trying to take you somewhere. I'm, I'm trying to take you to the next step. So awakening from above simply changes the nature around you. But awakening from below changes human nature. You see, when God is working for you, he simply changes the things around you. But when God is working through you, he changes you. He changes you. Oh, I'm going to preach it anyway. One thing, one thing to it is one thing to change the things around you. It's another thing to change you, period. Because when God changed you, he don't have to change the things around you because you changed them yourself. 
<laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, create a space. Amen. Which brings me to, it brings me to the division of the Red Sea. Where God begins to illustrate to the, Israel, the Israelis. He began to illustrate to the children of God. Say, listen, I brought you here. I brought you out of Egypt. I used Moses to lead you to where, you, where you're at now. You didn't have to bring about the plagues. I brought about the plagues. You didn't have to uh, 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 break the chains. I broke the chains for you. And, and, and so he said, I led you to where you are now. Because I, I, I did it for you. Because of the love I have for you. And also the place I'm taking you to. You see, in Exodus at the dividing of the Red Sea, the people were so fearful. They were scared. They knew that we, they were so fearful. And you know that when you are fearful, it brings about inaction. Inaction. They were looking at the Egyptian army. They knew a lot about them because there was a well-skilled, trained army, a, a, a greased iron machine. Amen. And, and they had been fearful them all their lives. And so fear brings about things that make you say things that you don't mean. It's because fear had took a grip of their heart and they didn't know what to do. And, and so, and so they, they were just so petrified. They, they didn't know what to do and they began to say things. Listen to this. Exodus 11 through 14. Listen to what the people say to Moses. The people said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way? Twelve, is, it not, is this not the word of that, that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians and then die in the wilderness because they were so petrified. They were so scared. They were so scared because they, they felt like they was out of their element. But how many of you know when you're in a place that you can't identify, when you're in a place that seems so unfamiliar, when you're in a place that you can't do anything, you better understand that's the glory of God because he's already been there. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Only thing you got to do is ride. Ride. Step. Because if God got you covered, then what will you be worried about? He said, if I be for you, what can men do against you? Oh, it's time to go up. It's time to go to another level. Amen. Moses understood that the people were so petrified. And listen to what Moses said to these children at the Red Sea. Moses said in Exodus 14, 13, Moses said to the people, be not afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you this day. For the Egyptian whom you see today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Mother was telling him, just be, be still. Keep silent. God's going to take care of this battle for you. He got this thing. And see, one thing about it 
if he would have continued to fight for us, we would have continued to sit on our rear. We wouldn't do nothing. Only thing we would do is call on God. But God said, nah, I want to I wanna partner with you. I want, I want you to see what I'm going to do. I'm not going to stop doing what I do, but I want to do it through you. But I like this verse right here, Austin. It says in the 19th, it illustrates how the presence of God was leading them, guiding them, protecting them, Delaney. And in the 19th verse read, And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And a pillar of cloud went before them and stood behind them. So it, 20th, it, so it, came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Huh? Amen. So when it came between the camps of, of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, thus it was a cloud of darkness to one and it gave light by night to the other one so that they did not come near the other at all that night. And you know the story, God drowned Pharaoh and his army. See, one thing about it, the cloud didn't just come upon them, Delaney. God had already been covering them. Right here in the world, he said, I got you covered. I utilized this cloud to bring up confusion against my children. Amen. So he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. God had them covered. But the children of Israel couldn't see that. They was just so grateful, just like anybody else. They'll be grateful that, hey, God just delivered me. He just set me free. So they didn't recognize that. But you have to understand, we got to be able to read, and, and, and be, not to be able to read, but be able to notice the spiritual move here. You see, the division of the Red Sea was also signifying an event of transition from one stage to the other stage. You have to understand that it's, uh, if you will, the rite of passage. God was teaching Israel and preparing them for the new role that they had to play. God was saying, now it's time to grow up. Amen. That was the first battle. That was the first battle. After the division of the Red Sea, here comes another battle. Amen. You see, the people was expecting God to fight all their battles for them. This is what they was probably saying, and this is Brother Richard said, but they was, they was probably just thinking, that's all they had to do, just sit back, kick back, and, and God's going to fight their battles for them. But this time, they was going to have to do a little work. You're not going to just sit back and, 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 and say, all right, it's time to go to the movies. All we got to do is get some popcorn and soda and sit back and watch God deliver us on all sides. But God said, not this time, Moses. You're you, you going to need a little help. You're going to need a little help, Moses. You're going to need a little help. Amen, amen. Where, where you at? Come here, help me. Come here, Delaney. Come here, Delaney. I need your help for a minute. Amen. Praise God. He said, Moses, you're going to need a little help. And we know that it says that in Exodus, it says that, uh, 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 17, it says that when Moses was at the Red Sea, praise God. It says that when Moses, God told Moses, he says, now, you're going to need a little help. As long as your hands are held 
you're going to prevail against the enemy. Amen. And then he says, as long as your hands, when your hands go down, the enemy is going to prevail against you. So God said, we knew that Moses was going to grow tired. We knew that he was going to go weak. So when his hands began to fall, when his hand began to fall, he took Mo he took Harry and Aaron to hold him up. Hold him up, and as long as his arm was held up, he would prevail against the Amalekites. And then if the Amalekites, seeing that his hand was going down, they was prevailing. See, what God said, thank you, what God said, Moses, you're going to have to get some folks around you if they want to have success in the battle, they're going to have to hold your hands up. You see, one thing, one problem about folks, they don't know who hand to hold up. Huh? They don't know who hands to hold up. Your hand can't get the victory. Your hand can't get the victory. You have to hold the hands up that God has put in place in order to get the victory. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. We got to hold the hands up that God put in place to get the victory. We got to hold those hands up whom God has put in place. And once you hold the hands up whom God has put in place, then we all can get the victory together. We all can get the victory together. Amen. You see, when we look at this, you see in the first battle, nobody was fighting but God. In the second battle, they had to fight with, come on here, come on here, you with me, come on, amen. And as I began to look at this, as I began to look at this, I said, God, you could have just wiped the Egyptian, I mean, the, 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 the Malachites out like you did the Egyptians. You could have just wiped them out, and it could have been over. Why didn't you just wipe them out like you did the Egyptian? Greg, you know what he said? He said, because the battle he fights for you is not as great a victory for you as the battle he's going to fight through you. You see, every battle is the Lord's. But every battle the Lord would not fight by himself. Huh? There would be some battles God will fight for you. And other battles, he will fight through you. There will be some battles, you will get the victory without tears. There will be other battles, you're going to get the victory scarred up, broken up, left for dead. And even then, you will hear God say, I am still God and I have not. He said, fear not, for I am with you. You see, I see the paradigm shifting here now. You can't just sit around and blame everybody for what you don't do with your life. She can't make you happy. He can't make me happy. Make me happy. Make me happy. This can't, this don't make, make yourself happy. Ain't nobody responsibility to run behind you trying to make you happy. We got work to do. Amen. He can't make me happy. So it brings me to, back to my 
topic. God summons uh, Moses, uh, let them build me a sanctuary and let them bring something to the table. See, I want you to know, I want you to see the similarities between Mount Sinai and the tabernacle. See, this thing just didn't fall out of the sky. God gave a clear vision to Moses. Moses understood that as, as he, as he, you got that slide, brother? You see the tabernacle. Look at the tabernacle. Look at Mount Sinai. Look at the tabernacle. Help me, Lord. Amen. You see, I want to show you the similarities of Mount Sinai and the tabernacle and how they parallel each other. Amen. Amen. One was the how, meaning Saint, Saint, uh, Mount Sinai. It, it was the how. Stay with me. Amen. It was the source. It was the blueprint. When I look at Mount Sinai, it is built in three distinct forms. When I look at the tabernacle, which is the execution, it is also built in three distinct forms. Let me point this out to you. Stay with me. Let me point this out to you. Okay. Look at Mount Sinai. At the base of the mountain is where the people and the altar were. So that's where the people live right there at the base of the mountain. The altar, they made sacrifices unto God. Amen. All right. Amen. So the tabernacle, at the tabernacle, this is called the outer court. You see the outer court right there where the, where the, 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 the uh, they do the brunt offers and, and wash and, and so on and so forth? I want to show you these distinct dimensions. So, now, okay, we see that, 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 that the outer court. Now, on the slope of the mountain, everybody say slope of the mountain. On the slope of the mountain is where the elders and the priests that is called the holy place. Amen. I'm not naming all the furniture, but I want to show you these three distinct forms. Amen. So, at the tabernacle, that is called the holy place. It's where the priest, the lampstand, and you know the showbread, and, 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 and the incense, and the, and, and, and the, and the uh, uh, sweet burning incense, and, and so on and so forth. That is... The holy place. Everybody say holy place. That is the holy place. Amen. So, at the top of Mount Sinai, this is called the holy of holies. Everybody say the holy of holies. Where Moses went into the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain for six days. And on the seventh day, God called Moses in the midst of the cloud. Amen. And the presence of God was like a consuming fire. And the children of Israel beheld the presence of God on Mount Sinai. At the tabernacle, the tabernacle, that is called the holiest holy, where God's presence dwelled. And the cloud was too thick for Moses to enter. And the nation of Israel beheld God's overwhelming presence. Amen. So you see, so you see God said to Moses, now listen, Moses, this mountain you didn't create. I created this mountain. I created it all. 
All you had to do was come up when I commanded you. Now this tabernacle you are going to build. <laughs> I will give you the design for every piece of the furniture because I need you to create a space for me. Can I take it a step further? See, we have to understand that we were both created and made. I'm going to say that again. We have to understand that we were both created and made. When I look at create, I look at it in Genesis 1 and 1. And God says, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, and earth without form. God created heaven and earth. He created. This word create, in Hebrew, it is bara. B-A-R-A, bara, means to create out of nothing, to speak in existence. Amen? This, then I look at God bara, the universe. Amen? Amen. And so that means created out of nothing. He, he spoke it into this. The word mate, the word mate is a Hebrew word, and it's mean Asa. Everybody say Asa. A-S-A, Asa, which means to form from something that is already created. Amen. God brought the world, and he Asa Adam. He created Adam out of that which was already created. He created, he Asa Eve out of Adam. That's why he made the woman for the man and not the man for the woman. I'm not being a male chauvinist. I'm just talking about the order of God. Amen. Amen. So he, he, he created and he was letting Moses know, I created this thing. You didn't create it. And so we see here in Exodus 25 through 40, the only thing it was the exhausting details of how to construct the tabernacle. Amen. So that's why when he commanded Moses to come up to him on Mount Sinai, the word of God said that God, he himself cut out the tablets and he wrote on the tablets and he said, told, gave it to Moses to take back to the people. Then Moses, and then God gave, said to Moses in the 32nd chapter in the seventh verse of Exodus, Exodus, he said, go, get down for the people whom you have brought out of Egypt, the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. And Moses began to descend from Mount Sinai. 32nd chapter of 17 verses, and Joshua, the noise of the people, as they shouted, and he said to Moses, sounds like noise of war is in the camp. But Moses said, that's not noise of shout of victory. Huh? Noise is a noise cry of defeat. Sounds like to me they're partying. In other words, sounds like to me because all I hear is singing and dancing. So when Moses came near the camp, he found the people dancing and singing to idol gods. Moses' anger waxed hot and he took the two tablets, he cast them at the foot of the mountain and broke them and he took the golden calf and they, which they had made and he burned it with fire and ground it with powder and scattered it all over the woods and made the children of Israel drink. Huh? Now Moses had to repent for what he did and the children of Israel had to be purged. 
Now, that's why the next time that Moses went up to Mount Sinai, God said to Moses, now you cut out the stones. Amen. You bring them up to me, and I will write on them. Now, God is saying, we're going to partner in this thing. Because if, 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 if anything's going to happen, you're going to do your part too. Huh? It, it, it's, it's too easy for God to do everything and, and expect God to just, just, just to do all the miracles and do everything for us. But when we put our hand to the plow, we have a greatest gratification, a greatest satisfaction. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. He says, you're going to partner with me. We're going to form a partnership because I'm not going to do it for you. I'm going to do it through you. We have to understand that the last would have lasted longer than the first. But some things are just too sacred for us to handle. Amen. Amen. Something are too sacred. That's why when Moses came down from the mountain, the Bible tells me that he shone. And I say to America today, when are you going to shine? When are you going to be about your business? When are you going to be about your business? How will you ever be a light unto nations waiting on God to do his part? See, no, you can't wait on God to do his part. You do your part and God will do his part and we all get the victory together. We got to stop waiting on everybody. We got to stop waiting on God to just do his part. Great America, you are America. You're the United States. When, they, when the flag flies in the other countries, the, when they see us coming, they know we're about to bring about a democracy. They understand what our colors mean. The white stand for purity and honestness. The red stand for haughtiness and valor. The blue stands for Guilty and God, meaning that we come with a, plink, a clean hand and we want to die for it for the, for in the name of our Lord. In the name of our Lord. Huh? So, so, so I'm going to meddle with you a little bit. Look at your neighbor. Say, 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 what you waiting on? Look at somebody and say, say, what you waiting on? Are you waiting on Mr. Right? Are you waiting on Miss Right? Are you waiting on somebody to do it? You better get up and do it yourself. If he comes, he comes. If he don't, oh well. Get up and do it yourself. That's why God is saying, I want you to create a space for me that I may dwell. We have to understand that the praise is the foundation of worship. When we create our space, we got to understand we got to give him a praise. Because that's the foundation of anything you create is worship. That's why I like listening to Solid Rock Worship Band. Because they understand that the foundation of anything is the worship. And when they lift their voices up to God to minister back to what they've given us, it takes us into a new level. It takes us into a new dimension because we're worshiping him in spirit and in truth. We land it all out there. We say, God, some things are just too high for us. And when they're too high for us, we have to give them to you because you, God, and you alone, you alone, we worship. Amen. We have to understand that God didn't give us, God gave us the intellect. 
and the creativity to create. He didn't give it to us like animals. See, one thing about it, animals don't have the intellect or the creativity like God has given us. You see, a bird can only chirp his praise. A dog can only bark his praise. A donkey can only braise his praise. But I have given you the intellect, the creativity, to create a praise for me. Why? Because one thing about a dog, a dog can't call me altogether lovely. A dog can't call me altogether wonderful. A dog can't call me altogether wonderful and altogether great. You have given, given the abilities to do this. That's why I want your praise. That's why I gave you creativity. That's why I want you to build a space. Build a space for me. Create a space for me. The dog can't, the animals can't do it like we can. The animals can't do it like we can. I'm just about done. But I want to tell you, God said create a space. He said create a space. I want you to create me a space. I might as well preach it. Create a space. Create a space. There were no, listen, listen, listen to this. He said one of the problems that we have with creating a space, we have too much stuff in our space. Stuff that God did not give us. We created this space. We created this mess. I created and drank my alcohol thinking that it would solve my problem. But when I woke up, I found out that my problem was still hanging around. I created a space for messy people to come into my life when God told me to go the other way. But yet and still, I created that space. I didn't listen to what he was saying when God was saying, you don't need them in your life. But I created a space because I wanted to create a space for them. I created a space for that man, that woman, who broke my heart and, and let me down, left me raggedy, toe up from the floor, up stuck in a rock like church. I created that space for him. And now I hear God saying, I want you to create a space for me that I can come in and talk to you, that I can come in and love on you, that I can come in and prepare a table, I can prepare a table in the presence of your enemy, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I want you to create me a space. Now that's why I told you, Moses, you, you see this mountain? You gonna build me a tabernacle so that I don't like to dwell with you but I want to dwell with my people. And if you create me that space, I'll come in and sub with you. But see, one thing about folk, they don't want to bring nothing to the table. They just want to come to the table and receive all the rights, the mights, and the blessings of God. But God said, you got to bring something. I want your skills. I want your love. I want your word. I need you to bring yourself to me and create a space with me. And that's why when the enemy come after you, when the enemy come after you, when the enemy come after you. See, I got the enemy. Come on, come on here. Come on here. Come on here. I got the enemy. He's following me everywhere I go. But I created a space for God. And he continued to follow me. But I created a cloud. God created a cloud that I can go in so the enemy can't come in this cloud. So when your boss man 
is talking about you. I step in the cloud and he can't come near you. When the enemy talk about you like a dog, I just step in the cloud and he can't come near me. When my loved ones turn their back on me, want to destroy me, I just step in the cloud and he can't come near me. I create a space. I create a space. I create a space. The enemy can't come near me. He said, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you, it shall be condemned. Create a space when my loved ones go home to be with Jesus. And I want to give up. God say, come in your space. And I love them. I love them. I'll take care of you. That's why I got to have a worship down in my belly. And let it flow like rivers of living water out of my mouth. I tell you, Robert, when you beat the drums, you're praising him. You're giving him the glory because you created a space. We just got to continue to create a space. Not for my wife, but I love my wife. Not for my mother, but I love my mother. Not for my father, but I love my father. Not for my children. I love my children. I'm creating a space for me and God. Because in that space, he'll teach me how to love my wife. He'll teach me how to love my children. He'll teach me how to love my brother. He'll teach me. So what God is saying to you, create a space. Create a space. Create a space. I got you. It's time to get up from where you're at and stand to your feet and say, Lord, I want to create a space for you. I want to create a space for you. So when the enemy is on my trail, I can run in the cloud and he can't get me. Create a space. Create a space. Create a space. No more will you let people mess with your emotion to paralyze your intellect and your creativity. God said no more. He said, I'm taking you higher, higher. Every Sunday, my man, sir, my man of God, get up here and he preach and he preach. Every Sunday, the worship leaders worship and they worship. And yet still, we go back and sit in the same space that we was. And that's not the space that God gave us. Create a space. It's your responsibility. Not man, it's yours. And once you create that space, I'll come in and sup with you. I'll bless you coming in. And I'll bless you going out. I'll bless you in the city. I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless you in the field. Continue to do what you do, Delaney. Continue to do it. You are imparting a space into everybody. You're creating a space for him. Continue to allow him to use you. Sometimes the wind blows hard. Sometimes it tries to remind us where we came from. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
He said, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Because he can only take you from glory to glory. He can only take you from glory to glory. Create a space, sister. Create a space. All that you've been through, all that you've been through, continue to create a space. Continue to praise him. Continue. Lock. Lock up. Continue to, to create a space. Greater the reward he has for you. We sit around here worried about the environment, the atmosphere, but God has imparted into us the ability to make Corona sit down. Do you not know who you are? A king's kid. And whatever you say, you shall have it. He says, so shall my word be that go for father my mouth. It cannot, it shall not, and it will not return to me void. But it shall accomplish what it please. Stand to your feet, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. If you can, stand to your feet. Father, we thank you. We thank you. I guess you're saying right now, you said, you know, there's some things I must take, steps I must take forward. If you haven't accepted him as your personal savior, that's too easy. He didn't make it hard. Man make it hard. Man put all these stipulates on, on how you can get saved. But my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did it on the cross. It's easy. Everybody say, Lord Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my savior, my Lord, my King, my master, my love. Father, I made a mistake. I, I, I was turned around. But now, God, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Give him a praise. Come on, you can do better than that. Give him a praise. Give him a praise. Come on, give him a praise. And watch things turn around for you. Watch your children grow and be successful. In life, I speak a blessing over them. Because I know that God will do it. I watch him do it every day. Bless the children. Father, bless them. Now, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for using me how you want to use me. Because God, my motive, my sole purpose was to glorify you in the midst of thy people. My, my sole purpose was to magnify your name, God. Because great is your greatness. You swore by yourself because there's no one higher than you, God. God, we thank you. And God, we accept our responsibilities. And we're going to create a space, God from this day forward. Father, I love you and I praise you. And God, I thank you for my wife. God, I thank you for God, I thank you for giving me a helpmate that loves me. She don't look at my faults, she look at my needs. God, I thank you. I thank you for my children. And I thank you for the people, the family of Solid Rock. True warriors. True warriors will not stop until the world is saved. 
And Father, we praise you and glorify you. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Delighted.